What's up, everybody? My name is Brazil, and welcome to my podcast. We have a very special guest here today, legendary creative director, choreographer, and just culture creator, Mr. Luther Brown. Boss man. <laughs> Respect my youth. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? Hey, let me tweak that mic. I don't know why it keeps coming down a little bit. We'll, we'll point that up. There you go. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. Microphone check, check, check. It works. <laughs> Happy Friday, bro. Happy Friday to you. How are you? How is life? Life is good. Life is life is crazy, but life is good. It's it's crazy because it's like it's it's uh, hectic, but in the same time, it's probably the most peaceful that I've felt in a long time. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. I think um, pandemic slash garbage. Got thrown away. Mm. No, I just think I think I have. Um, I'm more in tune with myself. I'm in tune with what I don't like, what I don't want, and I I kind of choose to not do things or be around things I don't like, and it's lessened my stress. Yeah. And even when I work, it lessens everything. Everything is just more. You know what I'm saying? Like the jobs I want to do, and compared to the jobs I don't want to do. Yes. I don't want to do stuff, so I don't want to do it. And knowing the difference. Knowing the difference. And hold on, was it before, before I, I, I tag on, I am going to raise this up. Because okay. You are too important for me not to hear you as good as I possibly can. Bam, bam. There we go. There we go. Okay, so on, on that note, right, in the pandemic, I feel like we all had an opportunity to really sit with ourselves, right? Yes, yes. And, and figure out, do I want to keep doing things this way? <laughs> Right? Like, just as a general question. As like, a general question. Like, is this how I want to keep rolling? Right? And, like, I, I feel like it was a, a decade ago, like, when the pandemic started. Like, so much life has happened. So many friends and businesses and things have came and gone. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's an opportunity for us to really check in and see how do we want to live. It totally is. It's, it's like, I think that was a universal question. Like, what am I doing? Do I do like what's happening? You're like, does this make me happy? Does that not make me happy? Like, is this is this what I really want to do? What do I really want to do? Now that I have all this time to sit down and look at all the things I've done, because for some reason during the pandemic, I think it was probably the most people looked at what they what they've done. Yes. Up until that point, it's a lot of throwbacks and yeah, I'm looking at oh my god, I remember when I did that. You start to go through stuff. And then you really start to see, okay, I've done this and I've done that and I've done that and I've done that. Do I want to continue doing that? Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I feel that sometimes we're too busy driving to stop and get gas, right? Like I'm just in <laughs> go mode. I'm in go, next project, next project, yes, next project. Yes, yes. And, and it, it takes a while for me to find the time to breathe and reflect and collect and say, hmm, how are things going? How can they be better? And the pandemic forces us all to do that. Forced, right. Remember when me. it was just supposed to be two weeks? Bruh, I just knew. I just knew. I was like, boom, July, we're back. I'm like, what are you talking about? July, we're back. And then it was like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> November, we're back. We're back. November. And it was like, god damn. It's been a year and a half. Yo. It just kept going. It just, it just kept going. And it just kept going. We all had to adapt. And that's when I think it just, it literally forced us to stop. Like we had no other choice. 
Yeah. It literally forced you to stop and stay in your house. I think a lot of people haven't seen their houses or their apartments over there. <laughs> people haven't seen their space. They're like, wait, I live here? This is what this is what my shit looked like? Like this? You know, it's funny because there was a meme that had like a, a photo of a, of a video editor before the pandemic <laughs> and a video editor after the pandemic. Right, and it's right. the same photo. <laughs> because in both cases, we're locked in. We don't go out to the parties. We have to fucking... <laughs> Hilarious. So it's funny. I feel like I've been training for this my whole <laughs> life. Like I stay working from home. I was like, yo, That's this is amazing. my sweet spot. That's amazing. What were some of the changes that you felt uh, relieved some stress? Like specifically, what kinds of changes did you make? Um, I realized that I was hanging on to a lot of, I had a lot of strings. I had a lot of, a lot of people that I know that I, I'm cool with, but there's a lot of people that I was, I, I kind of realized I was forcing relationships with. Mm. Um, nothing crazy bad, like no, but it's just, you just kind of have a lot of loose ends hanging around. Yeah. And you're like, why? Like, there's no love loss, there's no hatred or nothing, but it's like, they're just all little open energy vacuums that are still there. Yeah. And once I was just like, what? And just started snipping away. I think, you know, especially because I was dealing with my family stuff and there's a lot of, you know, um, health situations going on with the family. My knee had gotten messed up. I was trying to deal with that. I was, my dog pad. It was so many things. So it kind of just forced me to be in my own bubble mm. even more. And then you, when you're in a bubble, you realize who's calling you and who's not. You realize who you who you reach out to the more. You you realize who's in, who's really important to you. Yes. So that's who you reach out to, and that's who reach out to you. And then when I realized a lot of people weren't really on the callback or the call out, I just never changed it. I just left it. Right. It's like the, it, we maybe started understanding the difference between a friend and an acquaintance, and like a, a work buddy, right? Because you can be friendly with somebody you work. Yes. Right. I feel like if, if, if that's the case, I have thousands of friends, right? But yes. in terms of actual people, like a call in the middle of the night with like opinions or questions yeah. about life. It's, it's on like, one hand. Yeah. It's on one hand. And mm -hmm. I just think, I think, um, I just started to look in more and look at, look at myself and um, look at what makes me happy and what makes me not happy. What does make you happy? Jesus Christ. I wish I had one of them blowing. You know, <laughs> I wish I had one of those. Um, What makes me happy? And let me fix this one last time. Yes, the mic is dropping down. I don't know why you dropping down, sir. This is dropping. <laughs> As you're going by like, little by little, I just keep seeing your waveform go from being high to being low, and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> so we were talking yes. about what makes you happy. What makes me happy? I think I love to laugh. If everybody knows me, I love to laugh. Watching TV makes me happy. Yeah. What watching, watching, I watch everything. I watch. I watch comedy to drama to crazy to to all you, the spectrums of it. I watch all of you it. You watch stand-up? I watch all of it. What, who are some of your favorite stand-up artists? I used to have favorite ones. I mean, Kevin Hart is funny to me. There's certain people that are, that are just funny to me. And then there's... 
I gotta explain. I used to be more like if you had asked me who were my favorite co- um, stand up comedians like 10 years ago, I'd have like a list. Boo, 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 boo. But now it's just a couple, but I watch them all. Yeah. Yeah. You, you like absorbing. Good I like art. Abso- I love, I love, I love absorbing art. I, um, I just, what makes me happy, honestly, I just, I wanna laugh, I wanna watch some shows, I wanna cook. Mm, yeah. I wanna cook, I wanna play music loud, walk around my house. Yes. Jamming. Um, yes. And my dog. I mean, that's just a vibe, right? Yeah. When you have like a great show on TV, some delicious food in the kitchen, your dog. And you know, I'm, music, I'm like, like a wannabe chef, you know, I'm a chef, so I'm like, I be chefing, stir frying, chefing it up. Yeah. You know, so I love, I just love, I love the process. It kind of like, you know, the chopping up this, the, the, the cooking that, the moving this. Then I worry about the, how you place it or how you, you know, put it in the plate, present it. I get oh, into that. I get into it. It's a whole art form. What? And I'm a Virgo, so you know, I'm like competitive with myself. <laughs> and I'm looking at people's poses. I'm like, oh, okay, that's how you want to do it. But you know what I'm saying? I watch the cooking shows and stuff. Um, Were you always into cooking? I always was, but I think I, I've now I enjoy it. Mm. I think it started off as a necessity. Right, of course. You know, my parents were both working all the time, so I cooked for my brother and my sister. But now you see it as an art form. Yeah. As like a because like you said, there's so many parts of it, right? There's there's first of all preparing the food. Yes. Preparing the kitchen for the food. Yes. That's the whole thing, right? That yes. Gordon always talks about, you right? The you right, have to the, you the right instruments, everything. Yeah. You know, I'm about the I'm about the right cutting board, you know what I'm saying? I need the right it's like I need everything right. So it's a whole process. It's like a a wusa. What do you like to cook? I know you maybe everything, but what are like some of your top? Um beef. I do a lot of things with beef. Yeah. I love clearly jerk chicken, curry chicken. Now, what you know? makes jerk chicken jerk chicken? Because I eat chicken all the time, but I don't think I normally have jerk chicken. Jerk chicken is 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 the spice. It's a uh, they call it allspice. I hate the word allspice because to me it's like it's like the commercial. Yeah. It's the commercial. It's called jerk season. Just get the jerk season and done. And um, they have these um, these little balls. And that's what they call allspice. But you drop them joints in, you put a little jerk, and the jerk, the jerk seasoning, it has a lot of special, special Jamaican herbs, and it's a nice mixture. Is it is it Jamaican? Is jerk chicken? Yeah, a Jamaican jerk chicken thing? is a Jamaican thing. Got it. Hands down, it's like. Now is that do you do that with grilled chicken or do you have to fry it and bread? You can kind of do it. You kind of do can do however you want. Yeah. But the 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 original jerk. You do it on the grill, okay. like you like. It's like a barbecue, but it's smoky. It's Ooh. and so it's kind of it's like dry. The real jerk is like dry, okay. But it sees the seasoning is everything is hot. It's super it's spicy. Like spicy hot. It's Got super it. spicy. Um, but you can jerk anything. You can jerk pork. You can jerk, <laughs> that sounds crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you can jerk anything. Nah, what did I just say? I'm not even drinking. I'm drinking coffee. And I just said, no, it's um, you can literally put it on anything. Yeah, you know, good seasoning just works. Like I recently got into finishing salts, mm. right? Where I have like the garlic infused salt, the rosemary salt, the the smoked sea salt, right? And sometimes I take it with me to restaurants. It's everything. Yes, like I'll just have it in my backpack. And it just, changes and everything. Just do a little. Mm, exactly, it changes everything. I, I even bought it to like Chick Fil A <laughs> and just throw it in there because it's just. Let's go. Yo, you know, because I think I'm I'm okay with so much change in my life, uh-huh. right? So much variety, projects, and everything, but my food. It has to be exactly the, the way I want it's it. It's got to be right. Yeah. It's got to be right. 
I mean, it's such a big. I mean, you literally is you it's putting it into your body. Like yes, it has yes. to. To me, it's one of the best pleasures of life. Like it I, is. It's like the blessing and the yeah. curse, but it's everything. Oh my god! If I, for me, and I'm a simple eater. I, I don't eat a lot of different things, but I love <sighs> rice, beans, chicken, potatoes, bell peppers. That right there. That meal wow. I eat basically every day. Some formation of that. That's 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 me too. I'm not really try everything guy. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you look at uh, menus when you go to restaurants, or do you kind of already know what you want? I know what I want, but I look anyway. Okay. And I probably go for what I want anyway. Okay. The same shit. But I mean, I'm allergic. I'm allergic to shellfish, so ain't no lobster, no crab, none of that. Mm. No shrimp. But I can't look at an octopus. I can't. I, I can't. I heard it's incredible. I can't do it. The look of it takes me out. The right. Window. Can't squid. And, and the and the texture. Not gonna happen for me. Yeah. Me Not gonna happen. They just, they just, they just tricked me when I was in Japan, and I tried cow tongue. How's that? It was good when I tried it, but I will never try it again. It just feels weird thinking about I eating a tongue. I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> Although it's technically all meat, but it just feels weird, yeah, doesn't it? I can't it? do it. I talk to my God. Yeah, I, I just imagine like Not almost gonna... like I imagine like I'm almost like biting it off the cow's mouth. You know what I mean? Like, like it feels I'm like looking I... like I'm biting into the cow's mouth. Not yeah. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a very, I mean, you know, and I say this, a lot of Jamaicans, we say a lot of, we, first of all, Jamaicans think we're the only island in the Caribbean. <laughs> it's just who we are. But we don't eat a lot of out there stuff. Mm. I think the most out there stuff Jamaicans eat, probably like tripe. What's which tripe? Is, like, is that a fish? It's like cow stomach. Oh, or okay. Like kind of stomachy. Intestine. Yeah. I heard like livers are good from certain animals and yeah. I, I we used to eat liver. I could not, can't yeah. do it. I never tried it. Um, growing up, we 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 ate it. Yeah, yeah. The gravy was everything. But did once you? Were I you grew born up, in Jamaica? I knew what that was? Yeah, I was born in Jamaica. When did you live? Born there and till? raised. Oh, till I was in grade six. Oh, okay, got it. So you I, actually had a whole. I lived. Yeah. Now in Jamaica, what's the native tongue there? Is it patois? Jamaican patois. It's basically. Is it the one that kind of sounds like English? It's English. It's English mixed with some African. Okay. And it's like a it's, it's like a mixture. Okay. But it's definitely English. But it's just the way we say with it. With a lot of sauce on it. Oh my God. It's English <laughs> with the most sauce. It's sauce up. Enough sauce. <laughs> now, did you, uh, when you were in Jamaica, did you have dreams of moving to the, the States? Or how did that happen? Mm. You know what's crazy is my dad went to school in Wisconsin, super random. He went to school in Wisconsin and Your dad? My father, yeah. Okay. And um he sent back pictures, I remember, um, and one picture was him sitting on his balcony with snow. And I remember I was like, what is that? <laughs> and I was like, what? And they were like, it's snow. I'm like, what is snow? And it was I was fascinated, fascinated. And I think because a lot of the family members traveled a lot, so I would always go on the airport ride right. with them. To go drop them off? To go drop them off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And in Jamaica, when you drop your family off, you can literally go on top of the building and you look, you see them walking on the plane. Oh, so it's like everybody nice. goes and you do your well, final It's like a lookout wave. tower where you yes. see the thing. Yeah. And everybody is walking up the thing and they're like, eh, they wave and everyone's screaming. It's a thing, right? Yeah. So I've been obsessed with planes and obsessed with travel. 
I mean, the back of comic books, I used to look at plain models. And I used to go to the travel store and I used to, you know, they had the little, the little model planes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like obsessed. And sometimes they would give me the planes because, you know, I was a little little cutie with a, <laughs> with a little jeans jumper on, you know. But I've, I've, I was always obsessed with travel. And I, I don't know if I manifested that, you know. Um, watching like different strokes and stuff and I would look at these shows and, and I would see apartment buildings and I'm like, what's that? Because we don't have apartment buildings like that. Really? No. Not like, like the high-rise like buildings, ones. but yeah. we don't have high-rises like that. Right. So for me, I was like, what's that? And I was, <laughs> I was just obsessed with flights and travel and what's overseas and, and so it's, it's crazy to know that my life has been one big travel. But what made you move to the States? Uh, the whole family moved. We all moved at the same time, which is really kind of a blessing. Because a lot of families, you know, parents leave and then the kids come up after. Um, it was a mixture of the political climate was wild. In Jamaica? In Jamaica. And my sister had to have, um, my sister was, had some health situations. Mm. And I think the health system was just better. And Where'd it was you like, move to? We moved to Toronto. Toronto. To Toronto from, oh. from from Jamaica. So that's a big jump. Yes. Did you go there during wintertime? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you: Is Jamaica on below the equator? Yes. So it's just like Brazil because it's the seasons are flipped, right? So when it's summer in Brazil, it's winter here. So when I Listen, moved, I went from summer to winter in one flight. Let me tell you this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to I've been to Toronto before. We 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 moved. But whenever I would go to Toronto, it was the summer. Right. And so, you know, I was in Toronto and summer, blah, 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 blah. But this time when we moved up, we literally moved up Christmas Eve. Oh, wow. And in Toronto, bruh. (laughs) And in Toronto, and at that time, like, you know when it's real, like, if you come from somewhere that's cold, you know that when it's really cold, the floor, there's no snow. Right. And the floor is white. Right. Because it's like brick. Right. Bro, we moved to Toronto on the brickest day in the world. <laughs> and I was just like, I went outside from the airport because I just wanted to go see snow and hype. And I ran out there and that cold, that cold hit me like a brick. And I was like, God damn. That, that's a culture shock. This is culture Did you like shock. it though? I liked it when the snow was on the ground. Mm. It's pretty because when the snow is falling. We, we yeah. was in snowsuits and stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just running around, getting wet and all that. But um, I think it was like a fantasy land for me first. Yeah. First, but it was a, it was a trip. It was a journey. To be an to be an immigrant in another country. Now in Toronto, do they speak French over there too, or is that more Montreal? That's that's Mon- that, that's Quebec, Montreal. Okay. We um, you you learn French in school. Okay. Kind of like how here Spanish is a certain thing. And after grade seven, you can elect to do it or not. Okay. You can choose to do it or not. So we, um, yeah, I learned it up until grade seven. That's dope. And now, when did you get into doing dance and choreography on that? Was that in Jamaica or in Canada? Um, I think I was, I was, I was, I was dancing my life away in Jamaica. Just as a kid, dancing his life away. Just like culturally, just expressing yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, um. Moving to Toronto, that's when I got into Michael Jackson and and like Bobby Brown and all that shit hit me like a brick. Yes. And I was obsessed. You know, at first, um, I was dancehall, strictly dancehall. You couldn't tell me nothing. I was like, hip-hop is whack. What? Dancehall, that's it. 
couldn't tell me that. Dance hall and R and B. Okay. That was my my dad listened to R and B in Jamaica, so Motown, all that stuff. He was on it since I was right. Like, that since I was a kid. So coming to Toronto and then getting into this hip hop and run DMC. I remember my, my, my cousins were like, hey, you gotta check them out, man, check them out. And I was like, what's this? I'm like, hip hop, these hip hop guys, all they do is just, they stand up and do this, you know? I didn't get it. Right. I didn't get it. And then it took Heavy D and the boys and it took, it took like um, Eric B and Rakim and, mm. and it took those, cause you know, it was, they had dancers and it was different. They weren't just, they were performing. They, they were, were performing. putting on a show. And they had dancers and they were doing their thing. And, and you know, Jamaica's very, we're like club dances. We have a different dance move every week. Yeah. And so looking at the grooves that they were doing, I just connected. Kid and play, connected instantly. And so that, that was just my thing. Now that's like, you know, culturally and vibe-wise, right? Now at this point, what are you, in high school? High school. Okay. And was dancing even considered to be a job for you was Are it you in your options me? no it wasn't even a thing like dancing was just something that we did we did like at home i lived in a building downstairs where we have a boombox we're doing some stuff outside or yeah. or at school in the hallway when lunchtime where you're not supposed to be there and you play the music and we're dancing freestyling or whatever um there was no dance class i didn't know of a dance studio mm. all the way through high school, like up until university. I kind of never knew of a dance studio. What was your plan to get a job at that point? But I was, I was going to school for, I love history. So I studied history. I was majoring in history. Really? And minored in English, yeah. And what, I love, what I would love have, English and what I love would have a job been if that worked Probably out? a professor okay. or a teacher. That's yeah. so interesting. Because so I was, listen, I, my... my my whole family is super conscious and social conscious. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Since Jamaica. Mm. My mom is like, you know, woman power. Every, every power, my mom is that. <laughs> my dad is every power, my dad is that. So I've always been connected to culture and history. And, and um, when I got into Spike Lee and all those things, yeah. I just, it just switched me up. And then... You know, you watch a different world and you see them in school and it's a black college and, and it's fraternities and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I just wanted that. I just wanted to learn more about history and African history and Caribbean history. And I was just, I was just like fascinated with it all. And so it made history interesting for me. Absolutely. And then the French Revolution, I was like about it. It couldn't tell me nothing. Yeah, because I yeah, mean, it's literally, that. it's what real people went through it's to build the world that we have through. today. So, so you were in college in Toronto studying history, yeah, but you, just dancing you, personally, just, just for you. Yeah, just like doing, you know, like at at, at, at university, um, didn't know anybody because I chose to go to Windsor, which is right across from Detroit, because Detroit had a had a um, exchange program at Wayne State. Okay. And Wayne State had a fraternity, the Alphas, and I wanted to be an Alpha. Couldn't tell me nothing. Um, and they had a good history program, like a black history program. Okay. So, so I wanted to go to that school for that. Plus, I wanted to get out of Toronto because I was just like, you kidding me? My school is like 10 minutes down the block. Right. York University is 20 minutes up the block. Yeah. I'm like, get me out of here, you know? So um, I brought dance down there. I, was, I, started a step, I started a step team, you know? Um, That's dope. 
And but at this point, it still wasn't a career no. idea. It was still you were doing it's, it because it felt good to yeah, do. Yeah, it was just a, to just express, a to connect. Yeah, but like a, a hobby. So something had to happen for that to switch. Because th- did you finish to get the degree in history? No. So what happened? Where, where's the where is three the magic years, moment? Okay, I went three years in, three years in. But during those three years at university, I connected with this DJ, Baby Blue Sound Crew. They were like, I'm trying to put it in perspective, like. Kid Capri. Okay. For Toronto. You know, um, and so they had every, every, they did every party, every big, every big club opening, every big, so yeah. I was, me and my crew was always performing at those things. And. Getting paid to perform or. No, because at this point we were just doing it to do it. They were just like, mean? hey, come dance every at our party. Every now and then, I mean, you know, little by, there's little money here and there. Right. Little money here Missing and there. Get some guys money or whatever. But you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, but then I started working with different artists because my friends were artists. So they were like, yo, Lou, do my show. And we even know the term. It wasn't even, could you choreograph my show? Was, they call, people call me manager. Manager, manager, we all said manager. <laughs> oh, manager the show, as yeah. Because we, we didn't have no titles for that shit. So it was literally like, you know, put it put it together. So um, little by little, my friends became artists. I would do their shows. Yeah. People would ask me to do their shows. And then different people would start to pay me to do different things. And then all this was while I was at school in Windsor. And the plan was still to, to graduate. Plan was still to graduate yeah. and do my thing. And then... I got this connect to do this video in New York, um, Horse and Carriage. It was Cameron and Mace. Ooh. That's a whole different movie, how it even got there. Because someone saw us off the balcony dancing and was like, yo, you guys are dope. I'm coming. And came downstairs and was like, yo, give me your tape. I want to show this, this to my friend Cameron in New York. was on Rockefeller or is this before that? Uh, before that. This was, this was 90s? Like, yes. Okay. And so I was like, we were puppies. He was like little and hype. Yeah. <laughs> and um, ended up getting the connect to do that video and then met everybody that I looked up to in New York at the time. And that must have been such just, an experience, right? You, to, to feel me? the culture, right? Yes. Because and I, and I, it seems to me, not to jump ahead, but like your appreciation for history, right? And the people that created the world that we have now kind of applies to what you do because then you started moving and shaking and being a part of the new history, right? That's crazy. That's crazy. Like you went from studying history to creating history. That's crazy. Wow. You know, sometimes you, sometimes you gotta hear it for it to come back to you. You know, but that's that that that's word. So that was the first major video you did with Cameron and Mace. That was the first, the the first major one in America. Mm. But at this point, I was doing so many Canadian artists and still going to school. Yes. Don't ask me how we was doing it. Like every weekend, driving back to Toronto in cars that had no heat, we had blankets. How were your grades at this point? Were you keeping up? Mom, don't watch this. Dad, don't watch this. <laughs> you know what? I was, I was, I was, I was keeping up for a little bit, and then the third year it started to kind of go like that. Mm. Because at that point, I think I was more. That's when it was connecting more. Yeah, and that's when I was like transferring without knowing I was transferring yes. over to I think this is my career or this is what I really want to do and so the history and stuff was cool but then it kind of went into that and then it just made sense I was like now what did you tell your parents like hey I'm thinking about leaving college no How, like 
because my parents first of all jamaica parents what school school book and school and more book and more school that's it dance what is dance dance is a hobby you do that we do that in the club you do that on the street you know but they they always knew i was doing it but they thought it was just a hobby they definitely knew it was a hobby yeah <laughs> in their mind it wasn't it wasn't nothing more than that right period you know um but i was a dj Oh, so he did. He had a radio show and everything. He's doing his thing. Oh, so he was so in the I game. Used to, I used to go. Yeah, I used to go to the program with him every Sunday, and I would play the records, and he would teach me everything. Sometimes I would do it if he couldn't do it. Oh, and bring all my friends with me. Um, but my dad knew I was doing that. My mom, she became a minister. Um, but she, my mom is a different kind of minister. She's not. My okay. mom is about it. My mom okay. is, and she's not. She's like progressive minister. Okay. Yeah, she's not. Old school, don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> so she never forced anything. It wasn't right. nothing crazy. Um, but all that to say, they knew I was doing it, but to them it was still a hobby and I needed to go to school. So when I would not, when they would see me drifting over here, they weren't feeling that, you know? Yeah. And it got to a point where I didn't talk to them. I just didn't talk to any of them. And um, I think it wasn't until... I moved out of my house. Cause after university, I went back. Because, you know, I was going back and forth. Right. And then I, um, I was staying home. Because we had moved up in, kind of up in the burbs a little bit. Okay. And I was always, like, dipping out. And I think my mom said, my mom said something crazy to me. And she was just like, well, don't, I mean, if it didn't work already, like, clearly it's not going to happen. Mind you, this is after... I did Honey. At this point, I was doing making the band and stuff. And you worked on the movie Honey with the... That, that, that was my first movie. What? The one with yeah. Jessica Alba? Yes. No shit. Yeah. Well, so so was, you were still in college when you did that? Well, no, but it, that was after. Okay, that, that, that was fresh after. Yeah, that was like But right even after. then, your mom still didn't think oh, it was... Oh, my, my parents, none yeah. of them. They both were like, what are you doing? Really? Yeah, because um, they just didn't... They didn't understand it. There was, there was no blueprint to what that was. There was no blueprint to a lot of... Caribbean parents of, oh, my child is a choreographer. He's going to make money and pay his bills. And so what did they think they when he got that. the movie? When he said, Mom, I'm working a movie. They're what? like, oh, that's, that's, that's cool. But that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> they see it as like a one-time gig. Yes. Like a, you know. And it was different for me because I was choreographing. I wasn't in it. Mm. I think if they, I think... My path was a, a, a little different. Mm. By the time I started getting into... The game game. Yeah. I was choreographing and moving and shaking stuff. So when tours would come, the tours I would work on never came to Toronto. So they never got to see it. So in their mind, it was like, what are you doing? Well, because there's no example. To be fair to them, there was no example before. You didn't read about That's what I'm saying. choreographers buying houses and that kind of stuff. It was like None a strange... None of that. So in their yeah. mind, it's like, you're, you're with your dance crew. You guys are you're doing okay. Great. So where is the real job coming in? When is the, where's, what's going on with that? Right. You know? I think it was So You Think, when I did So You Think and Dance. And I was judging and choreographing it in Toronto. And then I was on TV. <laughs> and then by that point, I'd already moved out and was paying my own bills. Right. But I think that's when they really saw it. When they saw you on TV, they were they like, saw that's my boy. And then they saw, and I, I'd moved to, I'd moved to LA, I'd gotten my um, 
got my my papers right. Yeah. I'm on spot. I never asked him for shit. I never, being I, responsible. I've never, I've never asked my parents for shit anyway. Yeah. It's, I was never like, hey, mom, or dad, help me with it. It was right. never that. But I think when they saw that I was paying my bills, my credit was good, I was taking care of certain things, I was helping them, you know what I'm saying, certain things. So they were just like, oh, this is, <laughs> it's, it's an actual career. Like, you're actually doing something. Like, That's it's, it's actually making sense. Yeah. And then everything switched. And then the support came. And then it was like, oh, let me see what you're doing. How you doing? How's that going? How's this going? And how's that going? Hey, how about if you do this? How about you? <laughs> like, they just started to really, I started to experience what people, a lot of people experience when they, like, from the jump. Like the supportive parents. I never, had, I never had that. Mm. So to have that, that's why now we're all like this. Yes. You know what I'm saying? But it wasn't that. Because you value it, right? You've, you've experienced what it's like to, to not have that understanding. And again, yeah. to be fair, I don't think it's that they didn't want to support you. Is that they didn't. They had no experience of anybody being successful doing that. Yeah. Right? It didn't make sense to them. It's kind of like how some people now think that, like, YouTubing or Instagramming isn't a real job. There's people making millions doing that. Like, it's just as weird yes. to us now. Yes. That's what? You're making money doing silly videos? It's like TikTok. Like, you're a little TikTok kid. Blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the, yeah. the checks are rolling in. Exactly. I think there's always a new shift with every generation. Yes. Right? And it's so funny because we always think that, like, we're the young ones and it's like... I'll tell you, mom, you know what I mean? But now we're the ones being like, what are these kids exactly. doing? And it's like, oh, I'm that one. Oh, shit. Crazy. It took me a while to finally get into TikTok. And even now, I don't even post so much on my personal. I use my business page for it. But, but you have to adapt, right? Because change is always going to happen. But it doesn't mean you have to sell your soul or change your style or change the essence of your, of your purpose, right? A thousand percent. Like, you know... When, when digital music started coming out, right? Like first it was Napster, mm -hmm. and the music Damn. industry thought it was like stealing that. music, yep. but no, it, we were liberating music, right? And then it expanded, right? And and it's like maybe that's a philosophy for life. A thousand percent. To be open to change. A thousand percent. I think being open to change is what's allowed me to stay current. What was your first job where you felt like you made it? Because I know. It, it's a bunch of little steps, but Ooh. was there one where you were like, oh, I'm in the game now for real? Um, to you. To you personally. Not to, to me. Not to what other people thought, but where you secretly on the inside were like, yo, I'm really in this shit. Mm. See, I had a couple different moments of that. Okay. Like, with Janet, I was like, oh my God, I'm Janet Jackson. When did you meet Janet Jackson? Like, are you kidding me? Like, I grew up with her. Um... I first worked with her on the the, the feedback album. Okay. Um, I did, I did a show. I did a song called I did a song Love. I choreographed that for this show that she was doing. But but let's take it back a second. Mm -hmm. Paint that picture for me, right? How, who called you to work with Janet Jackson, right? Like how does that? So you're just sitting at home one day and somebody's like, Yo, Lou. No, you know, <laughs> Janet I mean, wants you. Like how does that work? No, Gil, Gil, who's like. My brother, right now, which is crazy because I wouldn't have thought that, but that's my brother. Um, Gil reached out to me. Um, we had spoken a couple times about a possibility, but I didn't yeah. think it was gonna really happen. Yeah. And then he hit me up randomly one time when I was um, I was sitting I was sitting with my boy Ed. We're sitting on a step, some step of where I was staying. Yeah, yeah. In on Riverside or some shit, and it was wild. And life was just crazy, and I was going through this contemplation in life. I think I had just, just had an argument with my agent 
a big fight, right. cursing out, argument, switched over to another agent. And I was sitting there like, what's life right now? Like, like is, is this worth it? Like, what's happening? And then I get this call. Hey, um, would you be interested in doing this song for Janet? For she's doing this show for the troops. And I was like, what? Exactly. <laughs> you see the you see how he responded? That's exactly how I felt. And I was just like, and my boy Ed was like, see, I, I knew, I knew it was gonna happen. And so we um What is what the day you met her? The day I met her, I Gil told me, yeah, you can use I got a studio for you. You can use it to kind of make up what you got to make up. You can kind of vibe in there. And so I was like, boom, I'm going to bring Ed with me and me and Ed. Me, Ed was in there and I was like making up stuff and teaching him some stuff and da-da-da. And the door opens and then Gil comes in. But I didn't know Gil was coming. So I was already like, now nah, I'm nervous. I'm like, right. damn, someone else is watching me. Like, I'm like, So I'm making up the stuff and I'm still going at it, going at it. And then the door opens again. And then Janet walks in, and my heart like falls through the floor. And now I'm like, what do I do? And so I'm like, now I'm questioning every step that's coming out of my brain. And I'm teaching, and Ed's looking at me like, Lou, just, just, just stay focused. Like do, like do you, bro. Like, like do you. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing me. And I'm making up stuff, but I, he could clearly tell. Now I'm just making up steps. Like, I'm not even, like, doing me. And he was just like, because they're just in the corner. And I'm like, oh, my God, like. You didn't even say hi to her yet. She just walked in. No, she's watching you. She's watching me. At this point, they're both in the corner, like, way over in the corner. And I was just like, it felt like the room was mad dark, and it was a spotlight on me and Ed, and they were in the corner, like, whispering. That's what it felt like. And I was just like, shit, shit, shit. And after a little, probably like 15, 20 minutes of stress, Ed was just like, Lou, just, just do you, bro. Like, just do you, man. Like, do some Lou shit. <laughs> and so then I started doing some, some dumb shit. And then my peripheral peeped, caught her imitating it. Ooh. And then I was like, oh, my God, okay, okay. He was like, I just fucking do you, bro, and stop, like, trying to do what you think somebody wants you to do, you know? What a picture, right? Like you, you're, you're nervous, but you're excited to be there and you're making these moves and you're getting in your zone and you look to the side and Janet Jackson is following your moves. Before Crazy. you even talk to her, it's like the instincts coming through you from God or whatever, the universe, making you want to do this and this mm -hmm. and then it goes from you to her. Crazy. Like that connection is... Crazy. What a moment. I just imagined that the peripheral and seeing that. I got rate. goosebumps. My my heart rate went out the wilderness. It's like it's moments like that, that that make you like, you're like, okay, Lord, I'm here. Like this is actually happening. So that was one of the moments. Wow. You know? Um And when you and when you started talking to her, was she uh was she cool? I mean Super cool. Yeah. Super cool, down to earth. Um She's she's about it. She knows she's she's like people don't know how smart she is. You know, you don't really know when you think about Janet, you just think about the little whisper right. and the slow walk <laughs> and then how she slaughters on the camera. You kind of don't really know. But she's about right. it, she's smart, she knows what's she knows what she's doing, she's she's cultured, she knows everything that's going on. She's black. Yeah. She knows she's black. <laughs> you know, a lot of people don't know that she knows she's black, but she's black. She knows it. 
But it's just really cool to see how she, she like, she vocalizes stuff. She's she's very sure. She's like attentive and opinionated. Did she pick up choreography fast? She did, even though she probably thinks she does it. Really? But she does. Well, she's human like everybody. And that trips me out every time. Because I'm like, you're human, but you're a superhuman. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, but she's human like everybody else. What was the next major, like, whoa moment? The next major whoa moment? Hmm. It, it was a... It was a mixture... Hmm. Puff Daddy. Mm. Which project? I think um, this was actually a personal project of mine. This is when, this is, this, I don't know if I've ever really said this anywhere, but at this point, I had already done a couple making of bands um, in New York, and um, I did a couple Puff Daddy shows with... Um, Lorianne. Okay. We've done, so I've, I've kind of been around him a lot at that point. But I was working, I write music, so I do music, right? And I had an artist named Trish, and I developed her, figured the whole thing out, blah, blah, blah. And dancers were starting to hear about her, and certain things were happening, and blah, blah, blah. And all, all I remember, all I remember, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> it's wild. I was, at my apartment building um, in like NoHo. Okay. It was like Magnolia, Vinelandish, the little situation right there. And I was at the gym, and I was on the treadmill, where I'm listening to some music, blah, blah, blah. and my phone rings, and I don't know this, I see this number, I don't know this number. I'm like, hello? And it was like, yo, Luther. And I was like, yo, I'm like, hello? I'm like, who's this? He's like, it's Puff. I was like, Huh? Because I'm thinking, who's cranking me? Like, which one of my friends is? Right. You know, because everybody knows Puff, like, yeah. my life was Puff Daddy. Right. My dance crew do that. We've danced to every Puff Daddy record in the history of Bad Boy. Right. So he said, Puff. I was like, Puff, who, who's this? He was like, it's, it's, like, it's, it's, it's Puff. It's, it's Com Sean Combs. I was like, I was like, whoa. I was like, Hello? <laughs> I was like, all this time that we've worked, I've never, we don't have a personal. Right. You might have been in the room or whatever. in the room, but... taught stuff, taught steps. We was there. We worked together, but it was never like a, it was never like a Luther and Puff hangout. Right. Let's, hey, what's up, man? And he was just like, yo, I heard this, I heard, I heard this record. This record's crazy. He's like, yo, like, we should talk. I think I want to. You know, like I'm doing my I'm doing record right now, but y'all could probably open, maybe do a little open for me situation, maybe we sign 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 the artist or whatever. And I was just trying I remember, to sign your artist. Yes, he was just like, "Yo, we should do this, and maybe we could do it. You could y'all could open up on the tour and da -da -da. and I'm sitting there in the on the treadmill like, what is happening right now? <laughs> and that's when I, I was just like, this is some shit you read about. Yeah. When people say they get that call and the call came out of nowhere. And it wasn't even for the main thing you were known for. No. It wasn't for steps. No. And the funny thing about it is I don't even know if when he was talking to me, he put two and two together that, that I'm you the were same that guy. guy. Wow. And then I think it wasn't until we went to New York. I brought Trish to New York and we went and we had a meeting with him. 
and how to shoot, how to perform it and stuff, and had a couple of two boys, some of my boys dancing and shit. He was like, oh my God, it was a whole thing. He was like, yo, yeah. we're gonna sign, we're gonna do this whole thing. And, and I left that room like, oh my God, is this what it feels like when you've crossed over into the other place <laughs> of life? When you're in the league, for like, real? Because that's when I felt like, oh, this is actually happening. Like, we just sat with, with Puff Daddy, my idol at the time, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, we just played all my music. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about really signing and doing a deal and blah, 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 blah. So that stuff tripped me out. So I think yeah. between that and the Janet, that's when I kind of knew I was like, but I never felt like I made it because I always feel like there's more to do. Same. And I always feel like I can kill it better than I'm just, like I just did something, but I can kill it better than that. Like I feel like, my best Nicki Minaj moments, I still feel like we could have, I could have slaughtered more. What do my you think best, was your best Nicki Minaj moment? <sighs> my best Nicki Minaj moment, the world, I don't think got to see it because the tour didn't, the tour started but didn't finish because she was doing American Idol. Mm. So they never got to see that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, like a lot of, a lot of my best work went on the road. Or was in a live performance. Instead of video. It wasn't necessarily videos. I've done a lot of videos. Right. Some cool videos, but nothing that I was like, like that's iconic for the rest of life. Right. Where there's some stuff that I did, I'm like, oh, that shit's fire. But I'm like, but I got to do better than that because I, I know where I can do better. Yeah. And so I'm always kind of like on the path of the better. And that's just the thing with us artists, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, I feel like I'm just getting started, even though I've been in the game for like yes. almost 20 years, yes. you know? And there were so many times where it was like, I thought I made it. I was like, ooh. And then I'm like, oh, then I just get used to it. I'm like, no, I can do way better. Way better. Like every year, I have to cut half the things off my reel because I'm like, oh, I can do way better than that now. And it's yes. it keeps progressing and progressing. And I feel like what I'm capable of doing and what you've seen, there's a big gap. Yes. Right? And I'm always trying to make it. Like, even if the video only has a certain kind of budget, I try to treat it like it has this much budget, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Hello, everybody. We're back. We had some uh, technical difficulties with the camera. But that is life, right? You know, you uh -huh. have your plans and then life happens. <laughs> and then life happens. Yeah, you have to roll with it. What was a time in your life where you had a major, like, derailment of your plans? Where, like, things just went wrong and you had to, like, Ooh. start over? That happened when 9-11 <clears throat> happened. When what? When 9-11 happened. Really? Because at that, at that point, I, was, I still wasn't, even though I, even though I moved to Toronto, Mm -hmm. Living in Toronto, I was still I still wasn't a Canadian citizen, so I was a Jamaican citizen the whole time. And when 9/11 happened, I had just booked this um, huge Nike commercial, this whole campaign in Europe. It's supposed to be over three different different countries. It's all thing, and the visa situation. <laughs> That 9-11 just said, everybody said, what's your, where's your citizenship? But that, that became a thing. Mm. And me not being a Canadian citizen means I couldn't travel to certain countries without a visa. And that chopped everything. It, it made it harder for me to get to the U.S. Um, I remember not having the citizenship, so... To apply for it, I had to provide them with my um, birth certificate from Jamaica. 
Right. If you know anything about smoke, these islands <laughs> and these birth certificates, mine looked like this. <laughs> like handwritten was, on like a... <laughs> and it was, because I, I used to walk around with that and my passport as my, as my ID. <laughs> <laughs> to go Just to the, some like, the liquor store or something. Here's my birthday. That's my ID. I didn't have no license. It was it was it was that. So by the time I needed it now to apply for these things, I, I didn't have it. So we had to send back to Jamaica to get it. Mm. And then that process took months and months, almost like a year and a half. So not only couldn't I travel, I couldn't do anything. And so that changed everything for me. And I think Mario was going on tour, and that's when I, that was my first tour with Mario. I, that, that was my first kind of R&B artist in America, Yeah, was Mario. And I couldn't do none of it because, like, I, I remember we started rehearsals, and then I couldn't finish it because I couldn't cross back. Wow. I didn't have my birth certificate to travel back to get the thing, to get the thing, to get the other thing, to get the other thing. So it it left me in Toronto, and I had to just take it. I felt like, okay. I'm here. You just gotta make, you know, when, you know, they say when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade, you know? I kinda had to just do that. Yeah. And I, um, Dubs, Dubs, you know, Dubs, the choreographer, DJ Dubs, Chef Dubs, so. everything Dubs. He, um, he came to Toronto, learned some steps from Mario, went back and taught it for me. Wow. Um, but I was literally stuck and it changed everything. Um, thank God for the commercial. They changed it from shooting in London and Spain. Now it was only going to be in Portugal. And the time for me to get the visa to get to Portugal happened literally right in time for me to make it. And like I almost couldn't do that job either. But that, that not having my visa, not having my stuff, shut me down. And that was like, it kind of stunted me for a second. Well, the experience of being an immigrant and working is a uh, is a is a unique Oof. experience that not a lot of people in America really understand what it's like. No. You know, like when you're from other countries, paperwork isn't always that tight. Like I remember when my family moved here, um, I moved here with my mom and my stepdad, but she hadn't properly finalized a divorce with my biological father in Brazil, so our paperwork got fucked up when we got here, so we couldn't become citizens. We couldn't leave. We were allowed to stay, but we couldn't go anywhere. So they didn't even have proper paperwork till I was like in my teenagers, mm -hmm. and then um and then get a work permit till I was like eighteen. So I was just working under the table until then. And then yep. I got my green card like in my twenties, you know, like it, it, and I still don't have my citizenship. <laughs> See, and yeah. I just I just got my citizenship right before pandemic. Wow, congratulations! Literally, I just got my citizenship. But it's like, are you dual citizen? Yeah, I'm dual. Technically, I'm still I'm Jamaican, Canadian, and now American. Oh, that's dope. But, like, for years, the, the, the under-the-table life was what it was. Mm. A lot of abuse happened with that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But um, then I went from visa to visa. Then it went to a green card. Yeah. And then it was just like, let's just do this. But people think it's easy, and people don't really understand. I was an immigrant in two countries, like you know what I'm saying? That's like trippy. some people are like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, no, I Toronto wasn't I didn't I wasn't born in Canada. I didn't grow I didn't like I lived my life in Jamaica. Then I moved to Toronto. Then I moved from Toronto to New York. You know what I'm saying? And then out here. Like When did you go to New York? Around what time? Uh like what year was this? Ooh. Yeah, oh, these whoever's watching is gonna be like, God damn! From that, 
I think I moved to New York. It was, it was ninety nine. So that was like right before. To, oh, so you were in New York during nine eleven? Oh my god, bro! I flew back from New York from doing a New Year's or some type of special. It wasn't New Year's. I flew back from doing some special, and I flew back to Toronto the day before nine eleven. Wow. Yeah, because um, before that, it was Greyhounds. Did you know anybody that was affected or the, the... Oh, yes. I know a lot of people that were affected. A lot of people. It was wild because I was like, that really could have been me on that flight. It really could have been me on that or flight. Or on the streets. Or being in New York downtown. It could have yeah. really been that. So, But, yeah, being an being a immigrant twice is not... Is not <laughs> <laughs> the easiest thing in the world. What was it like living in New York during the height of the hip hop era? Like during that like peak oh of the my golden God. era? Honestly, I feel like that was all God. I, like, I don't think I could, I would, I would be where I am now if I didn't do the New York thing first. Mm. Um, and thank God when I did the New York thing, New York was popping. Yeah. Like, everything was in New York. Yeah, that was the height of Rockefeller, G-Unit, Bad Boy, Bad Boy everybody. J Records, every single yeah. thing was happening in New York at the time. And it wasn't just hip-hop, it was hip-hop, it was R&B, it was this, it was that, it was this, it was that, pop, it was, everything was in New York. Plus Broadway and everything else. So there was no need. So between New York and Toronto, because all this time I kept on, I was back and forth in. But I was like, it's wild, it's wild. I was... I was in New York when everything was popping. Yeah. Like all the artists were in New York. So even going to LA was a dream, but I but I didn't feel like I needed to. Because you were already in a different Because we was in New York and everything was in New York. And that's where hip hop came from. Yes. It's a different thing. Like when you when, when people who haven't been to New York, they don't understand. Just when you arrive at the city, the energy is different. The frequency. You can just feel the it in the air. The frequency is and it's so, it's like... And when you talk to the people there that are a part of hip-hop culture, not just in the industry, but that just culturally are part of it, you can tell even the slang that they use. It's like, it's from the center of Yes, it. it's real. It's real. It's a certain frequency to it. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, being from, being from Toronto, living in Toronto, Toronto is, is close to New York. Right. It's like an hour flight. So culturally, we kind of... Everything everybody grew up on in New York, I kind of grew up on the same thing in Toronto. Like sneaker culture. And that sneaker kind of culture, stuff. music culture, right. vi videos, tours, artists, fashion, all that. A lot of movies shoot in Toronto and pretend it's New York. Yes. It's like a B location. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like we, um, and being Jamaican tied it in even more. You know what I'm saying? Like, Did you ever go to Jamaica, Queens? I did. I lived. I, I lived in Queens. For, I lived kind of everywhere. Yeah. I lived, but the the Brooklyn was my favorite. And that's where I spent most of my time in New York. Was Which Brooklyn. part of Brooklyn? Were you, were you talking like Flatbush and Church? Flat, okay. Flatbush and Church, like it's changed a lot <laughs> the since then. It. Yes, it has. Yeah. Brooklyn changed a lot. Some parts hasn't changed at all, but it's a lot of regentrified life going on. Yeah. In, in Brooklyn right now. Well, not even just in Brooklyn, kind of everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Like, I um, I spent a lot of time in in Manhattan, but I also spent a lot of time in Harlem. Mm. 
I used to live on uh, East 91st and 1st, like just south of Harlem. I was there for about a year and a half, and then lived in Staten Island for a year as well. Yes. In New York, and I went there a bunch filming skaters, you know, like I told you, yes. like, I used to go there, film the skate competitions, and when I was on tour, um, it's just like, New York has a certain energy to it. Bruh. Everywhere you point the camera, it looks good. It's just, it's a hustle, it's a vibe. Everything. It's, it's, everything is moving fast. And like, it's moving fast, and yeah. it's in your face, and it's, it's, go, it's vibrant. Go. Yeah, it builds discipline for sure. Yes. Yeah, like I remember when I was staying in New York and I was struggling, and I did all kinds of random odd jobs just to make ends meet, and and I liked it because it, it built me up, it kind of toughened me up. And now that I'm here in LA, where everything is more relaxed, I feel yes. like I still have that hustle. Yes, I think, and I think if you didn't go to New York, if it was the other way around, mm -hmm. it, it would be a different feeling for you. I would have been too accustomed to the beach life and all that, and I love the beach. Yeah, but but, but it, it's there's a grind. And I grew up in Chicago. Chicago was a city that I grew up in. Oof. And then I went so back and forth to New York. Oh so. my right. Yeah. So in a certain way, we're kind of in the same energy. Oh yeah. Well, you, Toronto, you went from Toronto's upper is like. Well, you went from the, Jamaica to Toronto. Yes. I went from Brazil to Cleveland. See. And then from Cleveland That's to crazy. Kentucky. And then from Kentucky to Chicago. And then I grew up in Chi. That's and then crazy. I went to New York. And then I went to LA. So LA was the last. LA was the last. And I came See? here like last. 10 years ago. LA yeah. is the last. Yeah. That's correct. 10 years ago? Yeah. Like 2011 or so? I want to say, oh my God, 10 years ago, <laughs> officially, is when I moved to LA. Yo, I moved here the same year that Jay Z and Kanye dropped the Watch the Throne album. Holy shit. That's that was crazy. Because I remember, because that was right when I moved here and I started working with Tyga. Because I had took my little sister to a hip-hop concert in Chicago yeah. to go watch Drake. That's our thing. We love going to hip-hop shows, right? Yeah. And we were at this arena, and it's like you see the, the stage is here, right? And the arena goes all the way around. We were here, and I saw this guy on the other side who just looked like he was in the business. Yeah. And, I, and he was like on his Blackberry, like not looking at the show. And I was like, I should go talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I went and talked to him, and turned out he was a producer for the opening act, which was Tyga. Wow. And then I got his number, stayed in contact with him. And then when I moved to LA, I had one month's worth of rent, like no job lined up. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I think rent was 700. I came here with like a grand. I paid rent. I had 300 bucks left, like a laptop, a computer, no bed. Oof. And I was just like, let's go. And then I hit up the guy. I was like, hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh, come meet Tyga. That's crazy. And then in the first week, I shot a video for him and went on World Star. And then... It was free video, and then it, it did really good. Then I shot a second free video. It did really good. Then I was out of money, and I was like, yo, I love working with you, but I need, you know, right, I need some paid. help. Right. And then Tyga was like, oh, yeah, I'm about to go on tour with Puff. You want to come be our videographer That's on the crazy. Coming Home Tour? And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it, and what? it was funny because it's like it, it, I wasn't making any money because this was when Tyga was still an opening act, so he didn't have a ton of – this was before yeah. his album, right? So he was still mixtape status, but I got to – to be close yes you know i got to be in the same room with and do a couple mm -hmm. mixtape joints and, and be on stage with them and film and i got to taste it right and something about that just felt i felt at home not gonna lie mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like like when we shot this video with, with tyga and puff and we were at puff's house and it, it everybody felt kind of weird and i just felt like i was honored to be there but it felt right it felt right it was just like yeah this is what because I you was in your truth. You was yes. right. You was in you was right where you're supposed to be. I want to create. I want yes. to channel the energies. I want to collaborate with people. I want to take this stuff and put it on stage. My parents are dancers. I don't know if I ever told you that. No. Right? They both do ballet. My mom, my dad, and my biological father, the classical Got ballet it. dancers, choreographers. So I grew wow. up on stage. Got you know, it. I, I didn't. I tried ballet. 
Right. My my turnout's still pretty good, you know. <laughs> but uh but it wasn't for me, but I got into skating and doing skate videos with my homies and you know what I mean? And and doing skate videos and t shirts and the little local hip hop videos and it's like but I grew up around dance, so I like production. That's I like amazing. seeing shows come together, you know. So to me, one of my favorite things to do is go to concerts and go to shows. Uh, you were talking about how you like uh yes, watching shows yes. and absorbing. I'm yes. the same way with going to live shows as well. It's mm. something about it, like um, who was it? I was just talking to somebody a couple of podcasts ago about the feeling of, you know, when you're at like a major arena concert, right? And mm. there's a couple opening acts that don't even use the full stage. They use kind of like yep, the shitty first yep, part yep, of the stage. Yep. And then when the main act is about to go and the house lights come off Ooh, and everybody goes energy. like, yes, ah! the energy, the energy. And then the first tone, the first Mm. and then the yep. oh, I get goosebumps just thinking yeah, about yeah, it yeah, 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 I yeah. live for that yes, and yes. just seeing that and sometimes and I, the magic. I, I study concerts and I say what's the first op the opening of everybody's show because it says something it sets the tone it sets the tone the that's choice. crazy that's what that's a that just got me mad hype because yeah. I had that, that's, that was I feel bad for kids who don't get to experience that it's, it's such a thing to be in the room with somebody that you look up to. And I think a lot of times people in the industry forget to be fans. Like they start working in the industry and they're like, no, I'm too cool for this. Yeah, I know this stuff. It's like, no, be a fan. Go to the show. Yes. Go yes, sit front row yes, and feel yes, what it's like to it. receive it. I'm feeling it. So that it. when you're creating, you can have that, that perspective. Yes, yes, right? yes, like, yes, yes, yes. I remember when I went to see Kanye's Glow in the Dark tour. I don't know. Did you ever see that one? I didn't see it. Um, Puff even posted a video about it that... Puff said that this tour changed his life Oof. and made him fall in love with hip hop again. He had his whole confessional about it because prior to this show, most hip hop shows around that time, unless they were like highly produced, mm -hmm. were mostly just like a DJ, a bunch of homies on stage right. with white tees, right. you know what I mean? Right. And just whatever concert lighting, you know? And in Glow in the Dark, Kanye put like a mountain on stage, a spaceship, an orchestra, <laughs> a storyline. Yes. Like it was such a production. An opening for him was... Uh, Lupe, Rihanna, Jesus. and Pharrell all doing big sets and then Kanye has a two-hour epic thing with a, story. with a story. And I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever experienced. Like, I flew to two other cities just to keep watching it. See? Just but I that's the stuff that makes that. you get... It, it like it like gives you energy. Yeah, it makes you get inspired. You go, you 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 leave and go home, and you want to change the world. Yes, you want to create stuff to just change the world. It, that energy comes, yes. and then I'm like yes. wired. I'm like, okay, I need to. Yeah. It, 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 it's like I'm literally borrowing from the the mm -hmm. stage, you know, mm -hmm. and it makes my frequency. Oh my go god, up. you're bringing back so many memories. Cause that's what <laughs> that was the magic. That was the magic that made me want to do this mm. every time, even now. You have a show in Vegas with Gwen Stefani. Oh my God, that was a good time. How was it working with that her was, and creating that? Oh, that, that was insane how that even happened. Um, and I had to pull it together real quick. Really? Yes. Um, she changed the way I saw a lot of things. And it's crazy. She would probably never even notice, but she kind of reignited my writing side. Mm. Because the way she would explain the songs that she wrote and how she, cause she's very much like, hey, for this record, for this particular song, this is the vibe that I see. She's like, 
the story, like when I wrote this song, I was in this type of place and I just wanted this and I felt like that and da da da. And that's what these words mean to me. And so when you think about choreographing, that's what the words mean to me. So you can kind of do what you want with that. Right, translate that. But when she brought them words down to me and I was sitting there listening to those lyrics like, whoa. Because her, her pen is crazy. Mm. And so it just... It ignited a whole nother fire in me. Because you make music too, you mean, right? On the yeah, writing side? Yeah, I, and I love to write. I love, I love vocal producing. I love like, harmonies. I can sit down and vocal arrange all night. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I have my studio in my house. I would, I would be in there just harmonizing vocally, doing all these. I love it. I love it. So to really hear her talk about that and, and go into the meaning behind certain things and just seeing how she was able to respect dance but not be a dancer and respect what we do but not try to control what we do mm. it was a different perspective for she's me she's giving you intention but not telling you how to do yes. it yes and then coming in and receiving it and she's super honest yeah. so if she didn't receive it you would know she didn't receive it <laughs> but thank god she received it you know and then um we just kind of built built a relationship like record after record after song after song and then it I wasn't supposed to do that whole residency right and then it turned out my residency wow so it was it, a good show I saw that a couple years ago right before uh, the pandemic nice. it was really fun it, it was, was really it fun. was a good and we even after the pandemic we rejudged it up really yes and added some new dancers and you know spiced some shit up and moved some stuff around and how often do you spice up a tour, whether it's a residency or one that's moving? Because obviously, you know, there's a bunch of rehearsals. The, the tour has to be made before you take it. But yeah. there are improvements that happen, right? Um, it depends on if it's a run that just happens one time, you don't really re-up it. But for something like a residency that it happens, it takes a break. Then it happens again, it takes a break. Then it, so every time it takes a break, you go back in and, you, and you're refreshing the stuff. You're like, hmm, that... We could lose that. Yeah. This, let's just up that. Yeah. And I think for her, we did, there's two, there's two versions of her show. The residency side and then the festivals and live show side. And, and because we didn't have props and stairs and this and all these crazy wardrobe things. On residency or you mean? On the, on the, on the festival stuff. Oh, right, because it was on residency, you dancing. can have it all there. Oh, the residency, we had props, this, that. Because you can store it, you can build yeah, it. Yeah, and it was whole a whole thing. movie. That was like Fantasyland. Yeah. So she wanted that to be Fantasyland, and then her festivals and tour stuff would be more dance-heavy just on the go-off rather right. than all these concepts. Right. So we had two different versions. So by the time we kept on going back into to Vegas, we'd be like, so you see what we did on that, the live show? Let's just put a little bit of that in here. Yeah. And so by the time we finished, by the time we ended last year, it was the best version of the show ever. Oh, that's amazing. That's a good feeling, and right? And she came back. She, she was working out. She came, not that she was ever not right, but she came back super hyped, mm. motivated, worked out, was ready. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Better lip than ever, yeah. Yes, lip extra red, hair <laughs> extra blonde, like on it. And she was just getting it. And everybody, the dancers added some new people in and they brought new energy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of reinvigorated the older dancers. 
not older as in age, but the ones who were there before. Right. And it, everybody just kind of went up. Everything went up. Yeah. I, so that was, art that takes was iterations, dope. right? Yes. Sometimes you got to sleep on it, experience life a little bit, come back and say, hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And you kind of get to do And it was fun to get to do that because you don't get to do that a lot. Right. When you go on like a tour, an official tour tour, like an arena tour. Yeah. You kind of set it. You set it and that's kind of it. Yeah. You know? But it's like to see it, to see it and be able to sprinkle it and add it up. Yeah. It's cool. It's such an art form to that, you know. I um I remember the first time before the Kanye concert, the first big show I saw when was when my dad was dancing for the then called Cleveland Ballet. And their Nutcracker production at the time was the best Nutcracker I'd seen. Oof. Where like when the tree goes up and everything, like Oof. the special effects were so good. And I was just like... Losing your mind. Oh my God, like, it's crazy. incredible. Like I just love the art of that. I love the <sighs> art of preparing an experience for people because we're all dealing with life. Everybody in the yes. audience, somebody there is probably a couple weeks away from dying. Somebody just broke up. Somebody like there, There's all kinds of things happening with people's lives, yes. right? But they take the night off to enjoy the show. Yes. And it's like a, it's such a, a privilege and an honor to <laughs> give them that like curtain opening. Yes, yes. And it's like, oh, they don't even know what's exactly. about to happen in act two. And when you, and you're sitting in the cue board, you know, yes, and you're like, yes, hit them now. Right, right, right. Ah, I love that. Like, um, I haven't gotten to do a lot of concerts. I've done visuals for a few. Um, and I love that feeling. I love being around it. Like yeah. it's, um, I love studying it too. Even with, with, with comedians, like I've been studying a lot of comedians, um, just in how they frame and present something. Mm-hmm. It's such an art form. Just mm-hmm. like how in a concert, what's the first song? Well, when Dave Chappelle does a special, what's the first word out of his mouth? What's the first phrase? Oof. How does he control the frame? Yes, right? yes. There's an art to it's that. It's an art to it. To holding space. Kind of like when um when Michael Jackson would come out and just hold. And, and just, your blood goes. And not even ch- turn his face, remember? Yeah, just, just... Just looking one direction and then slowly oh, grab the oh, glasses. And your life was given. You was, yes. you was You're invested in every second of the silence. Yes. And I think it takes a certain level of maturity to make those kind of decisions. Yes. Sometimes I see newer artists and festivals just put way too many special effects and things happening at once. At, like, that's taken away from them. Yes. Right? Whereas Michael Jackson could just sit there and hold it. Before, and that's it. before anything happens, right? And that's it. And and I remember when I saw uh, Dave Chappelle at the Hollywood Bowl a couple of weeks ago, right before he got attacked. Mm. And um, his new special is amazing, by the way. It's it's crazy, it's brilliant. And and just how that's um bad. how comfortable he is on stage. Mm-hmm. And any a lot of comedians, right? It's it's when you got a big arena and you're not doing comedy, but you're yes. like, hey everybody, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like so personal. Mm. Who's super personal. some of the favorite concerts you've attended? Favorite concerts I've attended? Um, Just personal to you. The ones that changed my life? Mm. Um, is Janet, was it all for you? Well, Velvet Rope changed my life. I didn't go to the concert, but I watched the special. Uh, who's Janet Vol- Jackson, Velvet Rope. Yeah. That's the epitome of... Please download, watch it. We got to add that to our list. Velvet Rope. Oh my God. John Jackson Velvet Rope. Are you kidding me? The Bible. What'd you like about it? Everything. <laughs> it was timing, the right, the phrasing of the choreography, the, the, the set, the, the way the MD, the way the show was, every song was in the right place. That's a big thing every, too, right? It's all important. All of it. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Mary J. Blige, Jodeci tour. 
I saw them in Buffalo. It was Mary J. Blige, Jodeci. It was, um, no, it was Jodeci. No, no, no. Mary J. Blige, Bone Thugs. It was, what? it was, a, it was, and they were sharing the headline. And their openers was, were Cisco. So I said Cisco, Drew Hill. <laughs> clearly, Cisco. Um, Aaliyah, Genuine. And I feel like there's one other act. But when I tell you I sat in the audience and we was, I looked up at that stage and my face cracked. Like my jaw was to the floor. And I was just like, between the level of dance mastery on the stage was somewhere else. And then those artists, their timing the vocals, and that's when those the records were just iconic. They were timeless records. They're time, mind you, we didn't know it was timeless because we were just living it. Right. But they were all insane. Right. And each act brought a different thing, and each act was incredible. And each, like, everything was just, and I remember we sat there, we're just like, mind blown. And I was just like, everything I do has to have this energy. Yes. Everything I do, I need to feel like that. Like for everything. It sets the standard. Yes. And so after seeing that and seeing Puff Daddy's No Way Out tour mm. and seeing when little Kim, everybody, I was just like, my face, it just keeps falling. Yeah. The Backstreet Boys, they did the tour. I want to say it's larger than life. Face fell off. Because at this point, they were they were on... on um, on the strings? When they being, no, they, the strings, it or? felt like, I want to say hovercraft, but I don't think it was hovercraft, but they was floating across the fucking yeah. the arena. But just the level of grandness, like people flying, shit's moving around. I was like, whoa, all of it took me. And then, you know, my, my mentor for life, Swoop. Mm. Swoop, the dance father, the yeah. godfather, Swoop who was like my first mentor that took me kind of under the wing. To see him up there slaughtering, the cast was just a slaughter nation. And I was just, I was just mind blown. So those, those concerts, I think, took me, took me up. Yeah. And like watching Usher, I've, Usher came to Toronto so many times, just before he even was a certain major right. and to see the growth every time he came back and the level of controlling a, a show with no props mm. mind blown so I was able to get it with major production and then no production yeah but I think there's beauty in both there's beauty in both because there's 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 there's, there's mastery in both you know what I'm saying you can have all the props but if I don't feel no spirit what like what will happen yeah like but when my face totally cracked was the day my friend, my boy Danny, um, from Toronto, he was like, Luther, we gotta go see Cirque du Soleil. Like, he used to watch a lot, like, yeah. go see Cirque a lot. Leave it, Brazzy. Uh huh. And Cirque came to Toronto and they had a tent downtown. He was like, Trust me, you're gonna lose your mind. And I was like, you were like a the circus? circus? I wasn't, I didn't get it. I didn't know what I was, and I went in there. Thought you could see like a lion on a tricycle or something. <laughs> they were flying. 
and they were doing crazy shit. And it was right here. It was right in your face. And yeah. I was just like immersed in it. And I was just like, wow, there's there's so much, there's so much in art that you don't know about. Like you think it has to be that way or that way or that way. But it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be any particular way. It just has to be a fucking way. You know what? I just had that revelation recently because, you know, I'm setting an intention to do a feature film in the next couple of years. And I was thinking that, like, okay, well, the way you shoot feature films is different than the way you shoot music videos because that's supposed to be more serious or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I watched Euphoria and I was like, this whole thing's a music video. This whole thing's a concept video. I'm like, there's no rules to this. I can shoot it as colorful as I want it to be, as artsy as I want it to be. Like, I used to think that I had to shoot it the way I grew up seeing movies yes. in order for it to count as a legit movie. But yes. really, no, you just gotta tell a story and then pick your style. And pick your style and 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 be bold with it. And stick to it. Stick to it. You have to be you. Yes. Like, unapologetically, like for real. Yes. And, and, for, and somehow, it sounds so corny, it sounds so corny, but the minute you are yourself, 100% everything clicks things just click when you're yourself and I, I feel like maybe that's why I just got some chills I just got chills because you know um, I was in Japan and I was talking to um, Ellie, Ellie was with me she was assisting me I was talking to Laurel on the phone and I was like I just feel I feel so good I feel like I'm enjoying my work. I'm enjoying looking at it. I'm enjoying, like, the process is not stressing me out. And I'm like, what's happening? Like, we just did Coachella, and I just did some stuff with Megan. I was like, I, I actually enjoyed it, and I like what I did. I'm not, like, hyping my shit up, but I literally just felt like, oh, my God, I actually, I actually enjoyed doing that. Right. And then I looked at it and I was proud of it and I was like, what what is different? And I was being myself. Mm. Like like I I think when I was creating it, I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to do something. I was just doing something. It's like the art has to please you. You got to do it kind of for you like you yes. have to like it. I want it when it feels like you and the choices are you and everything is you, like when you accept yourself in a certain way. And so I was just like, wow. It shows, it shows, like when I, when I look back at the rehearsal footage, I'm like, wow, okay. That's what it's supposed to feel like. That's what it's supposed to feel like, you know what I'm saying? Because there's a difference between technically executing professionally and then putting your soul into it. Yes. I feel like I'm just now getting to that soul part. I feel like most of my career, I've been learning how to make stuff look good professionally, lighting it, working the crew, organizing it all. Like yeah. now, now I got to a point where it, I can't make it look bad even if I wanted to, right? Like just by, my skills make it look good, but there's a difference between it not looking bad and it feeling right. Bruh, that's another level of production. That's another level because it's you have to tap in to the choices. Sometimes it's choosing what not to do. Sometimes it's saying, you know what, let's do it in black I'm and white. And being okay with it and taking off things. Yes, yeah. and being okay with it. I think like it's it's um, you know, there's the whole thing. Less is more. Blah blah blah. It's all these things. But I think when you're when you're okay to try it, you don't like it, move it, switch it. The what feels good, that feels right. Blah blah. blah. 
it turns into a masterpiece. Yeah, don't get married to the idea. Follow the feeling. Thousand percent. That's so interesting, right? Thousand percent. That like other people can say, "Oh yeah, great work," but you could be like, mm, "It was cool, but it wasn't me yet." Mm -hmm. There's a difference. It, yes. it just really is, right? Like when I think when I see the artists and the pieces of work that I like the most, they have an opinionated style to them. Yes. Right. Like I was watching this Will Smith project called One Strange Rock on National Geographic, mm. which is Will Smith and a bunch of astronauts talking about Earth. And it's an amazing show showing really beautiful footage of like how the whole planet works. It's incredible, right? But the way they shot it was because Earth is so full of color and vibrant, every time Will Smith and the astronauts were talking, it was in black and white with like a hard spotlight on them. Oof. And it's like nobody asked them to do that. Oof. It was just a choice. Oh my God. It's just a choice of having like a spotlight yes. on this astronaut and it's black and white. It's like that's a, like nobody is asking, hmm, what do you more black and white shows? You just, you just choose that. You're yeah. just like, you know what? This is my opinion on it. You get so good at doing color that then the choice is to take away the color. And then it resonates. Mm. And, it, and, it, and it speaks to a certain emotion that you don't even know it's speaking to. Yeah, right? I guess it's kind of like, you know, when you're learning to play piano, I would imagine you first learn to play other people's music. Yeah. And then eventually, it's like, learn the rules so you can break them. Yes. <laughs> Right, you know, like I, yes. I, I remember, uh, what was it? Was it a Timberlake sexy back when he recorded his vocals through a guitar amp? Right, mm -hmm. like they actually engineered it that way, and it was on purpose. It's like he plugged the cord into the wrong thing, yeah, but on purpose because it gave it you, that it gave you vibe. what you needed. Yes, and look, that shit is never gonna go anywhere. Yeah, never. Why do you think great songs? Are great i know it's kind of a weird question but like like when you hear a song mm. that has like a like a great melody why is it a great melody and why do we all agree on it i think i think there's a marriage that happens that makes something especially songs like great forever it's the right melody with the right production, with the right voice, the right tone. Could that same song could have somebody else on it and it would, the magic is not there. Mm. It could have a different drum on it and the magic is not there. It's the right time, the right, the right voice, the right melody. The right enunciation, the right intention. All of it is, it, 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 it's like, I was trying to explain it to somebody, well, they're like, um, what do you think of, like, why is music not the same anymore? Or why is music not hitting the same way? Or certain records are not as iconic as it used to be, like, you know, certain people haven't. And I'm like, because it's the right time, the right artist, the right, the right everything. You might have the poppin' record, but the, the right director wasn't there to shoot that shit. Right. The right choreography wasn't there to make it happen. And then it doesn't come out. But when you look at the stuff that works, it was the right choreographer, the right director, the right edit. The right producer, the, the right, right producer. It, yeah. On top of just the record being incredible, it's all the other little things that have to be right around it to make it what it, what it is. Yeah, 
You know, because like when so, to me, I don't care how old the song is. If it's good, it's good. Yes. Like I don't just listen to new stuff. Like I actually mostly listen to older stuff. Mm. Like I mostly listen to albums that I already like. And then every now and then people will put me on to new stuff, you know. But when <clears> I like a record, I can hear it <laughs> a thousand times. What sign are you? I'm a Libra. <laughs> I don't even know signs like that, but I was like, <laughs> let me see if he's a Virgo like me, because we're the same. We're the same shit. Yeah. And certain albums to me sound better at different times of the day. Yes. Right? Like you can't, yes. certain albums, you can't throw them on at noon. No, no, no. It's not a 1 p.m. No, album. No, it's not a 1 p.m. album. It's like a 10 p.m. You're laying back. It's like a, you, some albums are not coffee albums. No. And some albums are not dinner albums. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I honestly feel like because there's, there's like a lot of amazing like incredible songs and then there are the songs that have that are like you're like these are the <laughs> top tier and they normally are top tier top tier because of the other things around it yeah the whole presentation yes everything down to the styling all of it the everything. timing of where it is in culture yes. and what it says about culture yes all of that matters. Are there any new artists right now that are piquing your interest? Kendrick. Oh, yeah. Kendrick is a special one. Special. I think, he's a, I think he's the most special one out there. Currently of the new ones? Yeah. Of actually Better pushing like, it yes. artistically. Because even the new album, it had choices that are like not necessarily radio friendly, but on purpose. Yes. It's like, fuck the radio. I'm going to express myself right now. Even if you feel uncomfortable, I'm, I'm going to tell you how I and feel. I'm, and I'm going to tell it to you like from my heart and you're going to take it. Mm. I think people weren't even ready for how deep and honest and vulnerable that album Nobody was. was ready for that. Nobody's ready because he, it matches the world right now and not just one part of the world. Like he speaks about so many different parts of life and it's on the album now where things are happening now yeah and it's so personal that 10 years from now it's still gonna feel like it's a now because those those emotions that he's attacking on the album are just real raw emotion and he's being things. himself and he's being himself he's not trying it. to please no us. he's telling you his story from from how he sees it and what he, and what he feels about it and then that's what makes it it makes it a masterpiece and what, what I would take from that, right, like as a fellow creator, is I would think about where did he come from in this album, right? Because like he could have made a different choice. He could have said, you know what, I, I haven't had an album in a while. I need a bunch of radio tracks. Let me do a bunch of beats like this yeah. and like that. Because then that would have been the success formula, right? Figure out what works and do it a little bit better, right? Yeah. You would think that that's a logical way, but art isn't really logical like that. No, no, right? it's not. Like sometimes you have to do the opposite of what you think is going to work. But if it feels right, it works because it's not the thing that everybody wants. And that's what everybody ends up jumping on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. He's Kendrick is the one for me. Yeah. I like I like Doja. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she got some groovy stuff for sure. I like Doja. It's I mean, I, Kendrick's live performances were great, too. Kendrick's every performance is great. Oh my god! Like just, it, it, Kendrick's that, live performances are ridiculous. It's all the award show ones, even the Super Bowl one. Oh my god! When he popped up and then and with the camera, done it like listen down. Oh, 
the energy with that and even the simplicity of how the camera went with everybody and everybody went down and he came up and they were playing with the levels it's simple like his set had, didn't even have that many props there were cardboard boxes even but it hit it's it, it was my favorite it's of the, the whole, whole Super Bowl thing. performance it's Kendrick the whole thing. was the the whole thing the whole was thing. nice but it was it, it felt like you're witnessing history or something right like you, you felt he, once he popped up everyone connected again People connected, period, because the records that were being played are just... Legendary, right. But once he popped up, it was like, woof. It's like, here we go. And you know, I was, I was trying to think about this the other day. Like, hip-hop now is very diverse. Now there's hip-hop with all kinds of emotions. Mm -hmm. But I think primarily one of the reasons that I think it really hit, aside from it telling the truth about a culture, is that it's alpha energy. Yes. And a lot of music and most other genres are talking about pain um, in kind of like a, this is, this is an overgeneralization, kind of like a victim way. You know what I mean? Like my life, it's like, um, and, but hip hop came through, even when it's painful, it's like I'm going through pain yes. and this is what I'm, you know what I mean? I'm going to yes. tell you how I'm feeling yes. and it channeled that. And that's why so many people that aren't even from the culture still like hip hop yes. because it connects to this feeling that sometimes like there's that meme of like that, like the white guy in the car like this on his way to work, <laughs> listening to rap music. Right. Yes. But, but it's, um, it's a frequency of alpha energy of expression yeah. that is like a, it's like an espresso shot. Yes. You know, okay, he's definitely, he's definitely an alpha. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I would say, as far as other new people, I don't even know a lot of the new guys. I'm the kind of person that gets on something late. Like, if an artist was dope like four years ago, I'm just now getting into it. I'm like, yeah. That is me now. Before, I used to be with the, I knew all the new yeah. up and coming. I'm, I'm catching up. Because when everybody likes something, I feel like, uh, whatever. Yeah, I don't really get into it. I like to figure it out it. for myself. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Um, I can't, I can't, I can't get into everything like that. Childish Gambino is very inspiring. But Childish has been inspiring. So multi-creative. He's been inspiring. He is like, he's not like Kendrick, but they have the same intention of they know who they are and they're going to give it to you their way, period. And it's going to hit you, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit you an artistic way that nobody else hits you. Bro, even Atlanta, the show. Yeah. Bro, the timing on that show is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I love it, man. I love that we're in an era with so much great art. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's always been great art, but like right now we can absorb all of it. Yeah. We can easily access Like Back in the day, if you wanted to catch a Michael Jackson performance and you didn't have it on VHS, you just didn't catch you it. You just didn't catch it. But you know what I, you know what I, you know what I, um, because it's so, oh, it's just like, oh, there's art everywhere. Everything's so available mm. I wanted to get back to where things are available but good shit is still like good and big I feel like it's so everywhere a lot of stuff that are big are not the stuff that should be big I think what I hear you're saying is that music it maybe is distributed very widely but the records that are currently up top aren't always at the same caliber of artistic expression as they used to be. Yes. Like back in the day, a record was hot and it's still hot now. 
Like even if you listen to like 50 Cent, 21 questions. Like you play it now. Like 50 shut that shit down. Yo, those records are still hot now. But a lot of the records that were hot like four years ago already sound corny now. They sounded like they were so then. You know, there's not a lot of new classics. No. Very rare. No. That's what I I wish was still around. I feel like Bruno's giving us a little bit of that. Let me tell you something about Bruno. Bruno, I give Bruno all the flowers. Before, it took me a while to give it to him. Yeah. Because to me, he was karaoke. <laughs> but I liked every song he released. But I was not going to buy the album. Mm. I don't know. There's something about it that's like, he's a little karaoke to me. He's like, he could be on American Idol or something. I never, I never really got into him. But then... I would know his songs without knowing that I knew his songs. Right. Like when they would play, I'm like, this is this record's dope. And that was Bruno. I'm like, all right, right, right. And then I would just realize that like, Katy Perry was like that for me too. I yeah. couldn't give it to her, but she got big records and great records. But Bruno, over the years, I think he transformed more. Yeah. And I think now I give it to him. And sometimes it takes now time like, for us to appreciate something. Because right? now I feel like it's not a show, it's not a performance. It's actually he's actually giving it to us now. Like I, I feel before it might have been like, okay, it's karaoke time for me. Mm. But now I feel like, yeah, he he's yeah, Bruno's the shit. Yeah, yeah, he vocally he's the shit. Records, all, all the choices are right. Solid, solid records. And sometimes it takes um, like a real simple line to really hit, right? Like even that one song where it's like, um, uh, "I should have bought you flowers because all you know, Jeez. you know, took it every part because all you wanted to do was oh dance." Like it's so simple, yes. but it just—it's like, oh, oh <laughs> it's, it's like magic. it's like now it's she's magic. dancing yes, with another yes. man, and you're just like. Oof. As simple as that line is, it just it, it touches on yeah. something because it's not supposed to be art. Isn't supposed to be impressive because it's hard to do sometimes. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes, because that's what that's what makes it, it, the the diversity. Right. Yes. But sometimes, sometimes it's impressive because of just the simplicity of how right it is. Yes. Yeah. Man in the mirror. Oof. Jesus. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Whoa! That song sounds good, even conceptually. I've heard some of Michael Jackson's demos. Like, there's that one of of "Beat It," I think, where you hear him vocally telling Quincy how he wants the song to go before they made it, and he's just kind of like beatboxing yes, it, magic. you know. And it's just like, oh, it sounds good. Then it just conceptually feels right. Yeah, "Man in the Mirror" is insane. Insane. What message would you send to? Young Luther, um, from the future right now about this journey, and even not just even Young Luther, but but the the next Luthers, right? The next up and coming creators of any kind that are dealing with whatever struggles they have of expressing themselves, of turning their art into a real job, right? And and they're where they're at where you were in high school, right? They can tell they like something, but it, it hasn't materialized yet. Maybe their family doesn't support them, right? If you could just channel right now, what? What message would you give to them? Mm. I would say don't try to fit in. Don't try to do what you think people want you to do. Um, trust yourself. 
everybody's process is not the same. So you can't look at people's process and people's journey and try to compare it to yours because that's not how it works. You know, everybody's different. Everyone's everyone's path to get there is not the same. Mm. And you get caught up in what you're not doing or what you think you should be doing or what you think you should be sounding like or what you you're worried about all these superficial things that really don't matter. Make sure you love what you do and make sure you love that. And then just do it. So I would I would I would tell myself to not question it and even though you respect the game and the hierarchy and how things work, don't second guess your shit. And don't dumb yourself down for anybody. Yeah. I love that. Just, just even, be honest. And that I think that's such great advice because even if <clears throat> materially it doesn't work out the way you expect it to, which it kind of never does. It works out some other way, right? Mm -hmm. The feeling of expressing yourself honestly and vulnerably is a reward in and of itself. Yes. Right? Like yes. when you do your best work, even if it ends up getting deleted or something, you still at least have the high of doing it. Of being like, wow, I felt what it felt like to be in excellence, to yes. create from the heart, to really pour it out. Even if it's not perfect, it felt perfectly honest, right? Mm -hmm. That's a great feeling by itself without thinking of like what's the strategy of just winning in my career mm -hmm. right if you can just get to the point where you express yourself even if you do some other side job but you get to express yourself honestly i feel like that's already a gift that's the gift and honestly that's the stuff that people that you don't think are going to pick it up that's the stuff that touches those people when you're not even doing it for the money when you're just doing it for the feeling like let me, let's let me make this feel right for me and then if it didn't if it didn't get the praise you wanted or it didn't get the accolades da, 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 the right person saw that and felt it yep and then connect the dots later it's 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 so crazy cuz there was no path before for me I, I didn't have a reference i didn't have some type of map yeah you were literally forging, pioneering into the, your career. Literally. You know what I'm saying? I didn't. I don't look like nobody. I don't teach like nobody. My counts are different. My, my, my phrasing is different. Like, you question all of it. You question it all. And then it's like, the day you stop questioning it and just do it is when, you, is when it starts to work. It's, it's beautiful. I love the process. I'm so grateful to be an artist and to be around such amazing people, you know, and Man. to connect with all these beautiful people on the journey of creating and collaborating. Luther, guess how long we've been talking for already? Oh, God. How long have we been talking? Two hours. Are you kidding me? Wow. That's not even counting the break. We've been rocking Just like that. Just like that. No plan. <laughs> I told you, right? Oh, my God. We just flow. No, because, I mean, big ups to you. Because I mean, I've you know I was I watched a couple of the things, yeah. But first of all, you drop dimes. <laughs> it's crazy, but it's but it but it's cool because it's comfortable and it's it's real. I do. I have such so I much. Appreciate that. I have so much respect for you just as a human, and just the contributions you've made to culture, and the passion you have it. for it. You know, you and I have only had a couple conversations before. We were talking about doing a project. We had yeah. lunch once, but I could just feel that you have a passion because I remember. 
when we first linked up, I don't know if it was when we got lunch or when I went to your place, and you asked me to show you videos that I like. Yes. And we were just watching music videos together mm. and picking apart what we like about them. Yeah. Like, that was a vibe, man. Yes. I could tell that you were like a fellow brother, on like the, a creative, <laughs> passionate person. Yes. Like, yes. I, I love that. Yes. Yeah, I'm glad I was able to, you know, hear some of your story, man. Hopefully people out there are watching and, you know, oh, get inspired and learn from this and, and feel the, <laughs> the, the vibes. It, it's, it's dope. From being a, a student of history to creating history. That's crazy. That's crazy. Somebody somewhere eventually is going to be teaching a class and you're going to be in one of those lessons. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's tripping me out. It's tripping me out. Jesus. We don't think about it like that. What's the final phrase you want to say for the podcast? The final message? The final message. I feel like we keep talking for hours. The final message. What I want to say. um, Don't make people make you feel uncomfortable. And if you're around people that make you feel uncomfortable, you're not supposed to be there. Mm. Arts, art is not comfortable, and we all know that, but no one should take your joy away. No one should make you feel crazy. Mm. And that's period on people you're working with, people you want to work for, people that are in your life, people that are your friends, family. Nobody should make you feel crazy. You should never, no. So don't be uncomfortable. I love it. Mr. Luther Brown, thank you so much for coming, brother. No, thank you. This this was a vibe, Thank you, for real, for real. I love vibing with you about the concerts and everything. Oh my God. That was such an energy. You just brought that shit back. You brought it, I missed that. I miss that. I, I love it. I, I love, it. You love it too. <laughs> yes, bro. Shit. Next time you have a show, I'll come through. I'll check it out, man. Oh my gosh. Or the next time a big show comes through, we gotta go check it out. Mm-hmm. I would love that. Oh my god, we gotta Yeah. I'm a whole nother human watching the show. And next time Can we I hang out, I'm I'm gonna grill you some of my chicken and you can give me some of that jerk Ooh! chicken. Yeah, we'll we'll have a little chicken cook off. Yes, I'll bring yes, my finishing yes, salt. Yes, yes. <laughs> little Brazilian Jamaican. Listen, I'll bring my I'll bring mix. I'll bring my pimento seeds and you bring their other joints. What up? Oh, oh. Right, here comes Brazil oh. with the kids. <laughs> What's up, buddy? You said timing. This is crazy. What's up? He's like I heard oh, I heard you guys are gonna have gosh. chicken. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, you okay. got me. Okay, okay, Brazzy, down. Me. Okay, okay, down. You can pull him down. He's kind of everything. I want to yeah. squeeze his face. Oh, good boy, Brazzy. All right, and that's a wrap, everybody. Oh my God, that <laughs> Thank was you for watching, Brazzy's last How cameo. Does he, do that? he knows the time. <laughs> Every podcast, he doesn't. Yo, he came in at the right time. Oh my gosh! And he came right through. I knew it was going to happen at some point. <laughs> Yo, you can't write this shit, bro. Shout out to Brazzy, Brazilito on every episode. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. Like, comment, subscribe, share, go follow Luther Brown at Lou Daddy. And uh, it is a wrap. <laughs>